This episode is sponsored by The Kings. Thank you for all of your love and support. This week on Steadfast. And the other thing that foster care has really driven home for me is that we, our other children are not actually ours either. They have been entrusted to us by God for a time, but we don't actually have any control over how long we have them either. It's just more obvious when you're fostering. Welcome to Steadfast. Welcome to Steadfast. Let's the babies. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Steadfast. I'm your host, Sammy Carroll, Education Coordinator at Life Choices Women's Clinic in Phoenix, Arizona. And today I talk to Liz and Jesse Moore about foster care. They are on the committee for Arizona Life Coalition for Foster Care, and they are foster parents themselves. And they share with us their journey on how they got started fostering, and they share with us information about how to become a foster parent and the difference between adoption and foster care. This is such an important topic because how many times as pro-lifers have we offered up adoption as an alternative to abortion? But yet we don't usually have a lot of information about adoption and foster care. So this is, um, you know, what we're trying to do today. We're trying to give you that information. And I hope that it also inspires you to either get involved. I will give you some opportunities at the end of this podcast with some organizations you can get involved. Or maybe you want to start discerning whether or not you want to be a foster parent. Unfortunately, right now there are 14,000 kids in the foster care system in Arizona, but only 3,000 licensed foster care families. So clearly that's a huge discrepancy and we want to we want to change that. I will be taking about a two-week break from podcasting because as I mentioned a couple episodes ago, we have this big impact day is volunteer day coming up on Saturday, February 4th. Please say a prayer for us. We have two busloads. We are going to six or seven different pro-life organizations. I had a closed registration. Praise God. What a good problem to have. I had to I have a wait list, people. This is great. Um, so I will be focusing on that as I should. And so in a couple weeks, we'll be back and I will have Manza McCleary on to talk about ministry with families that have children with Down syndrome. I will be talking to Sarah White about purity culture, Father Alex about IVF, and Dakota Lane about how fitness is pro-life. And I'm just super excited. Great things are coming. And I just want to say thank you so much to all of you guys for listening to this podcast. I just appreciate that you you're you're still here. <laughs> you you put up with my my quirkiness and awkwardness sometimes, um, but I do want to throw it out there that we have an Instagram. It's called uh, it's just you know the handle is at the Steadfast Podcast. I share clips from upcoming episodes, some videos, some behind the scenes photos, you know, what have you. If you want to check it out and you want to stay in touch, especially while we have a little break, I encourage you to, to hop on that. But without further ado, let's get to this episode. I hope that you enjoy this conversation with Liz and Jesse Moore about foster care. Hey, welcome to Steadfast. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. I'm I'm Jesse. Yeah, and I'm Liz. I was gonna ask, do you go by Elizabeth or Liz? Um, usually Liz. Like I more formally introduce myself as Elizabeth, but all my friends call me Liz, so we can go with that. We're gonna go for Liz. All right. Well, can you guys <laughs> tell us about yourself and your beautiful family? Sure. Well, we're married. We've been married for, uh, what, seven and a half years now? Mm-hmm. I was, yeah, I could tell by the but who's mm-hmm, counting? Glad I got that you're right. <laughs> We've got 
two biological kids and one foster baby who is 10 months old right now. Um, we've had him since he came home from the NICU when he was a little over a week old. And um, yeah, we've lived in Arizona since 2014, been here for, for over eight years, eight and a half years. Um, moved here after graduating both with uh, liberal arts degrees from Thomas Aquinas College, oh, and nice. we've been here ever since. Why Arizona? Why? I, I know, know that's a great that. question. I'm like, so why? Why this desert? Because it's kind of, you know, hell. <laughs> I know, especially coming from California. It was a hard adjustment, but um, we can own a house here. And um, that's a big deal when you're having kids. And mm. it's just so much more doable when you're starting a family. So yeah, we, we just go back often. Okay. Well, that's good. At least you have places to go visit too. Do you have family there then? Mm-hmm. Yeah, both in Southern and Northern California. So we oh, go nice. to both ends of the state at least once a year. I still have yet to take my daughter's about to turn four tomorrow and oh. she still hasn't seen the ocean. I'm like, Oh my goodness. I know that is a magical moment. I know, but she's, she's a tree hugger like myself. She's like, you know, all about the trees. So for right now we're okay. She doesn't know what she's missing out on, but (laughs) when she does, there'll be no turning back. Yes. (laughs) So what do you guys do for Arizona life coalition? Explain to me about the foster care, um, what your role is. We're co-committee chairs for the Arizona life coalitions, foster care and adoption board. Committee. Um, yeah, sorry, committee. <laughs> see, as, as you can see, it's it's kind of new. It's new for us. It's new for Arizona. It's pretty new for Arizona Life Coalition as well. We're trying to get people to become foster parents and support fostering and adoption and to uh, rally pro-life, uh, those in the pro-life movement towards foster care and adoption. We're meeting with lots of people. We're exploring lots of things right now. It's new and we're I wouldn't say we're starting from scratch, but we are really trying to build something right now. Yeah, it's a committee of two people, us. So oh, wow. <laughs> the big committee. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So um, we're very new. <laughs> yes. Can you quickly explain the difference between fostering and adopting? Because I think that maybe some people might mm-hmm. be like, aren't they the same? Or isn't fostering how you adopt? Or, you know, can you just explain the process or the differences? Yeah, so you can get licensed to only adopt, and that means that you're only going to be taking care of children who are cleared for adoption. You can also um, be a foster parent who just fosters and is not open to adoption, and all you want to do is give a home to child after child after child Mm -hmm. until they go to a permanent home. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there's fostering to adopt where really there's not that much difference except that you are hoping and actively just working towards adopting the foster child who's been placed with you Mm -hmm. but there's still not really any guarantee yeah and then like if you if you adopt a child they're legally part of your family right if when you're fostering that's that's just not the case they are part of their their biological parents family Right. They're a um, ward of the state. They're an ward of the state. Um, yeah, they've been taken from their biological parents and now ward of the state. So they're, you, and we can't do anything to our foster son that the biological parents would frown on or disagree with in any way. 
Are you talking about maybe like you wouldn't be allowed to baptize them, something like that? Right. We can't. Yeah, we definitely so, can't. So yeah, we can't baptize him. Um, we can't say his name on a podcast uh, because on social media, we can't uh, say that we're fostering and then name name the child or have an image of him on social media. Uh, we have to like block out his eyes or something. Um, there, yeah, there's a lot more limitations on what you can do because you are not their parents. Uh, we are not his parents, legally speaking. So how did you guys get involved in foster care? Um, yeah, that's a great question. After we had our first couple of children, um, our oldest daughter is six and a half, and then our son is turning four in three weeks. Um, I, I just had a lot of health issues arise and, um, at the time we just really weren't feeling like we could keep going in the direction of like having more biological children, at least for a while. But at the same time, we were, you know, still really feeling the call to expand our family and be open to life. I mean, we were only 27 at the time, so we were just, you know, definitely not feeling like we were done having children. Um, so we started looking into adoption and then we realized quickly that there was no way that we could afford private adoption, which costs an average of 20 to $45,000 in the U.S. And simultaneously, we're just feeling like there had to be another way to take in a child who, you know, needed a family, needed parents. So we were directed to the foster care path and that just felt really scary um, because there's a lot less certainty when you go, you know, the foster care route, understandably, you know, you don't know the background of the child coming mm -hmm. into your home. You don't know how the, long they'll be with you. Um, but, you know, we were just kind of feeling guided down that mm -hmm. path. So we kept going. Yeah. And at first we were really exploring like what it took to adopt. And one of the avenues that we saw was you could just get like a foster adoption license, basically. You're adopting a kid through the foster care system, but you didn't have to foster, which is what we initially thought we would try. Yeah, so you're adopting kids whose, right, whose parents have already had their rights severed. So that is a path that you can do. It's mm -hmm. an adoption only license. Um, but we decided not to go that route because I don't know, a couple of reasons. First of all, usually, um, kids who are free to be adopted but haven't yet they tend to have a lot more just issues a lot of trauma and there's usually a, a reason why they weren't adopted by their foster family mm -hmm. and although it's it's a really needed to adopt children like that we just weren't feeling like we were well equipped especially with two little kids mm -hmm. in our home already to take that on. Yeah. And it sounds like a kid that has maybe more problems, background issues, they're going to need extra love and attention that you might not be able to give them. So even mm -hmm. just like physical needs aside, it's even just a, the mental emotional space too. Yeah. That's and, right. and one thing we found with, with fostering, and I know you can do this with adoption too, uh, is they give you a checklist and this sounds really weird. Uh, and I've never had to experience this before or after, like you have to check like, oh, this is the sort of kid I want. 
here like every detail every i think there were like 60 options that yeah. you could say yes or no to it was weird yeah between so weird. uh like gender race any sort of disabilities whether mental or physical that they have like you could check off any any disabilities that you think you can handle you can be very specific about um yeah so like when you, when you're going through the foster care and adoption process you actually have to take a look at this and say can can we do that can we take care of somebody who's in a wheelchair is that possible um and in our case like we're not equipped for it now but you know if it ever happens to our kids we will be equipped yeah. for it. <laughs> so how did you guys you guys started um in you know wanting to foster kids but now you're you're leaders in the foster care so how how did that happen <laughs> I, I guess a few different things happen. So, you know, we started fostering ourselves, but in the process of pursuing, you know, licensure, we learned so much about the foster care system and the, you know, just really the biggest thing is the gap between um, licensed foster families in Arizona and children in the foster care system. And for some reason that just really, really, resonated with me and with both of us. And we were just like, why is no one talking about this? This is a huge problem. Um, and, um, there are the DCS website, that's the department of child safety. They state that there are close to 14,000 children in Arizona foster care, but only 3000 licensed foster care families. 7,000 of those children are being looked after by family or close friends, and that's called a kinship placement. Um, but that leaves about 2,100 children in group homes or institutions. And that number is 40,000 nationally. There are 40,000 children nationally who are not in a family setting. They're in group homes. Um, and another really scary statistic is for minor tra trafficked children, I think it's about 80% of them were in foster care. So there's just a huge lack of people who are watching out for these children. And it's, it's tragic. And I it's just it really blows my mind that we didn't know about this. And that like everybody we talked to has never even heard of this problem. Um, so we just kind of found ourselves like, informally spreading the word to just our, our circles of influence. Um, and at the same time, I was volunteering with ALC. Um, I've just been doing other stuff with them for a while um, since 2020. And I just, you know, ended up having a lot of conversations with the executive director and members of the board. And they eventually asked me to, if I wanted to lead the new committee, but then Jesse was like, you say yes to everything and you're going to drive yourself insane. So uh, we I'll just, kind yes of, with you. <laughs> yeah, we kind of prayed about it and we were like, well, I guess we can lead it together. Yeah. Um, well, actually, I think it was Garrett from ALC. He's the one who actually asked if I, if I wanted to join too. Yeah. It was kind of because, Garrett, you the know, executive director's idea. It, it does seem like if you're going to have a foster care and adoption committee, it also seems fitting that there would be a couple uh, who is actually fostering at the head of it. And yeah. I thought that sounded like a great idea. And I, I love the idea of Liz not working herself to death. And also I really want to do something too. And so, yeah, so I'm here. 
um, Liz kind of dragged me into it, I guess. <laughs> and Garrett, if you're listening, Garrett, Garrett. it's on you. <laughs> it is. It's on Garrett. Yeah. We'll blame Garrett. Um, so where do the kids go if they, so if they're not in foster families or in the group homes, like you said, or institutions, how do they end up there? I don't really know much about, yeah. you know, especially, is it just the kids that were given up for adoption at birth or how, or, you know? Yeah. So like if a child is taken from their family, if DCS investigates and decides we need to remove this child from the home, if they don't immediately find a foster family, they go to an emergency shelter. Um, And those are often like conference rooms that are converted into bedrooms. Like Mm -hmm. they're, they're kind of more institutionalized than anything else. It's definitely not a family setting. Yeah. Um, I used to have coworkers involved with that they used to be sorry when I say co-workers I used to work at a special ed school and so I had a lot of people who were like former a lot of co-workers who were former social workers and some of them described like middle of the night like there was you know violence at the house they went and took a couple daughters and then they had to go to like a DCS office and they had to sleep there um, because there's nowhere else for them to go they can't stay at home and they don't have a placement for them yet mm-hmm. um, and so, yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, but no, yeah, that's it's, like real world yeah, experience it's, it. Yeah, these are, and, and just like, let me see, what's today? The date, I think November 11th. On November 11th, there were 36 children in Arizona were taken to um, an emergency shelter. Uh, and 26 of them as of yesterday, the 14th, they're still there. 10 have been, have found placement somewhere, but for whatever reason, 26 are still in their, in their shelter, either because there aren't enough foster families, which there really aren't in, in Arizona, or they can't find a kinship or family placement for them. And so a, after a certain time, I'm, I can't remember the exact time period, but they do get transferred to like a group home as, as a placement. And their ages ranged, those kids that he just mentioned, from eight months old all the way to teenagers. Um, so it's it's very, very sad. Yeah. And um, we just really feel like this is an important aspect of the pro-life movement. It's not quite the same as, um, you know, praying outside an abortion clinic or counseling pregnant mothers, but it's so related to, mm-hmm. to um, what pro-life advocacy is all about. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people just kind of use adoption as as like a a throwaway, like, you know, yeah, have an abortion, just adopt or like give your baby up to adoption. And it just makes so simple. Yeah. Like, Oh, no big deal. Just give up your child after you've grown them for three, like nine, three months, Mm -hmm. nine months in your body. Um, so I think that people don't give it enough credit and we don't know nearly enough about the foster care system. So can you explain the process of becoming a foster family? Yeah. So first you want to pick an agency and there are 12 ish ones that you can go through in the state of Arizona and they can license you to become a foster family. Um, And then basically you go through foster parent training, which involves watching videos, some submitting you know, documentation, legal documentation, um, and you undergo um, 
some interviews and then you would have to pass a home study where you basically just somebody from the state comes and checks out your home and makes sure that it's safe for a child to be in. And, um, you know, after that, uh, it takes, I think like four to six weeks once they submit the full application. And then you hear back whether or not you've gotten a license and, you know, mm -hmm. pretty much almost always you're going to get your license. Yeah. Um, and it can happen really quickly. Or if you're like us, you can take about a year doing this. Yeah. Like we really took our time. We are like, you know, maybe we, you know, just like with our, with our bio kids, you know, there was a time of pregnancy and preparation for them to arrive. And we kind of did the same thing for, for our foster son here. This took a while because we chose for it to take a while. And we were really investigating and like, is this for us? Because foster parent college is also to ask the question, is this for you? Can you do this? And it's, it's really nice that you can go through this process and not have to submit all that paperwork until after you have answered the question of whether or not this really is for you. Yeah, it's still discernment. It reminds mm -hmm. me yeah. of where it's like, let's go through the focus test. And it's like, let's go through every single question, all the personal questions about your life. And let's see if you're really ready for this. So what are some of the questions that they ask you in these interviews? They get pretty personal. Um, they were asking us, oh, yeah, they were digging deep. They asked us like about my childhood, like what I was like growing up with my parents. Uh, they would even get a little more personal, like what's the biggest fight you've ever had or the biggest disagreement you've ever had with your with your spouse. Um, it, it, it took a little while to get through, um, but honestly, like if you, well, I feel like we've been married for years. We kind of know all this. We, we threw it all out there. Like, I like you were saying, fun. Yeah, we've been through <laughs> marriage prep before. We've already, we've already kind of hashed this out. Um, it, it was a little weird to have like the third party in the room asking us all these questions and writing this all down for the state to evaluate later, <laughs> but you know, it, you just kind of accept that and move yeah, on. Yeah. Yeah. Like these people do this for a living. They've probably heard it all. Oh yeah. Kind of like going to confession. Like <laughs> you cannot scare the priest. Like he's heard yeah. everything. So, mm -hmm. you know. It was yeah. fun in a way to just like talk about everything and yeah. summarize our lives. Yeah, we had Tracy from Catholic Charities come over and ask us all these questions. She was very professional, very nice about it. It was, it wasn't a bad experience at all. Honestly, I feel like you should be able to have these conversations if you are thinking about, you know, fostering anyway. I feel like this is, this is mm -hmm. just like marriage prep. These are conversations that you <clears throat> should have, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They want to make sure you have a healthy relationship if you're adding on the stress and everything yeah. that comes with yeah. And plus it's child. about the child. We want to make sure this mm -hmm. is the best situation for the kid. I mean, you guys aside, they might not care about your marriage as much as they care about where is this kid going to end up? Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. Just knowing that this is a system set up to make sure that you're not going to put kids in a, in a shady home with, with leaving the same setting or sorry, leaving a setting, going to the same sort of home. Or yeah. worse, which or does worse. happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, even with all this filtering, that still does happen. But there are some things that are in place to make sure that doesn't happen. And this is one of them. I, I think that's why this is so important to talk about because ideally 
you know, our pro-life listeners, these are the ones that maybe will be even more equipped and, um, should, it could be the best fit for some of these kids. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. So I, I, we talked about this a little bit before the podcast, but so can you adopt after, uh, fostering or would you guys be able to adopt your son or, um, mm-hmm. the mom wants to be involved? How does that work? Um, yeah, so right now his parents' rights are still intact. Um, so you can never adopt a child unless their parental rights mm-hmm. have been severed. Yeah. Um, so right now it's not a possibility. Um, it's looking like it might happen, but we just don't know. Yeah. We won't know for probably another six to nine months. It, and all right. So if you want to get into the nitty gritty of like nitty, I do the nitty gritty. I want the nitty gritty. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, Department of Child Safety they they don't want to just take away children and just hand the child off to other people. What they do right. is they come up with a plan for the parents, and their plan is always to reunify the child with their biological parents first and foremost they will try to keep that plan intact as long as it is feasible for them to do so, as long as there's literally any proof that uh, biological parents are making any progress. That could involve stable housing, stable paychecks with, uh, with a job, uh, making sure that you're not taking various drugs and that you're clean and they will get evaluated for that like on either a weekly or monthly basis and showing that you can have a stable place for a child to live for like a year. Um, and in that time, in that period of time, you are visiting your child while they are in foster placement. And if, if a parent decides for a time to do that, then take a break and then go off and do their own thing and then come back and say, hey, actually we're, act- we're making progress. Um, that kind of pushes out the time that uh, the child's in foster care. Yeah, the, the time that the child's in foster care. Um, because if if parents start failing in this regard, what's going to happen is the parental rights are severed and then the child can be placed up for adoption. Otherwise, it's just expanded out until they get reunified with the parents again. Okay. So how is that emotionally for you? It has been very difficult because you are being asked, and I think you should give everything to a child and there's no promise of anything in it for you long-term. And it sounds really selfish to say that, but in the natural course of things, when you have your own children biologically, you give everything to them and you Mm -hmm. sacrifice for them, but they are yours. at least for a time. And in foster care, that's not true at all. And there's just such, such uncertainty and he's ours, but he's not ours. And, um, you know, it's very difficult. And I think, um, for a while it was very hard to figure out how to pray about it because I would love for him to stay with us for forever. But in praying for that, it feels like I'm praying for his parents to not get better. And that kind of like opposition was really hard for me to reckon with. 
And then I just had this moment one day where I was like, you know what? I don't have to have those things figured out about how those can both happen at the same time. Like, you know, God, our God is a God of justice and mercy. Those are the same thing in him. And similarly, I can pray for his parents to get better and to be healed. And I can also pray that if it's his will, this baby can stay with us for forever. And I'm just going to let God figure out how that can happen. And once I just kind of like let go of trying to control everything, um, I found um, a measure of peace. And I'm just kind of clinging to that because (laughs) I'm not really sure what else to do right now. There are times where we thought for sure that our foster son was going to leave. Like I had to like take the kids out to ice cream and explain it to them in the car. Like, yeah, he's, he's going to be gone within the next few days. Cause that's what we were told. And then suddenly there was 180 and he's been with us seven months after that. Um, Like, and there were times where it felt like for sure, we're going to maybe adopt sometime soon by soon. I mean, within like five months and then that keeps being pushed out. And there's also the possibility that'll never happen. So you, you just don't know. Um, but I, I felt a lot of peace in just realizing that, that this baby is worth taking care of no matter what. And that's something so solid that, I, that nothing, nothing can really shake me about that. And the other thing that foster care has really driven home for me is that we, our other children are not actually ours either. They have been entrusted to us by God for a time, but we don't actually have any control over how long we have them either. It's just more obvious when you're fostering. Um, so the whole thing has really been an exercise and just really letting go and realizing that all children that we take mm-hmm. care of, no matter their actual relation to us, they're all entrusted to us for a time. And it's up to us how we, I guess, Mm -hmm. how we show God to them during that time. And that's all we can really do. Yeah, that's beautiful. If you had to summarize, why should people consider being a foster parent, foster family? Because it's needed. It's worth it. Like, Like children are worth our entire lives, right? So it's worth every child is is worth any effort you can give them. And there are so many children who are literally the, the least of our society in some ways. They have the least control over everything they do. They have the least amount of things in you. And they have the least amount of love, right? Like especially those in group homes, like they're getting, they're, they're with workers all day, not necessarily with people that they love, not with the family setting and you get to give them a a real home a real family if you were to let them into your house and into your home and they need you so please do it and i'll just share the the um, scripture quote that really changed the way that i saw um foster children and that is um, James 1 27, um, which says that religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. 
And, um, you know, we really believe that foster children are the orphans of today. And we know what scripture says about our call as Christians to care for the orphans and the widows. And, you know, being a foster parent is a wonderful, wonderful way to do that. Yeah. And also in some degrees, like our, our culture needs to change. And the best way I think is, is to live through example. And the best way to proclaim that lives are valuable and children deserve all the love and care that you can give them is to allow children into your home who need a home. And that's why it's a, it's a pro-life issue. Yeah. I was going to say, talk about pro-life issue. We get a lot Mm -hmm. of crap for, you know, we're pro-birth, but what about after that? And this is, you know, well, let's talk about the after that. This is the, what Mm -hmm. happens to those kids, especially if we are going to offer up adoption as a solution or an alternative, I should say, Mm -hmm. to abortion. And I think, I think as you know, you're considering it, um, it's really important to remember that um, as Christians, we don't have anything to fear because I think Mm -hmm. fear was a huge aspect for us as we started thinking about it. Like I was terrified, but um, you know, whatever you choose and, you know, if you are feeling called to this, like Jesus is already there in the future with you and there is nothing to be afraid of. That's a good response. Cause I think my first reaction would be fear as well. Yeah. It's a very <laughs> natural reaction for sure. I think the, the emotional part um, definitely is very daunting. So how can our listeners help you guys in your mission? Yeah. Well, I mean, our mission is ultimately to spread the word about, you know, this huge problem, the gap between foster families and foster children, and ultimately to get other families to sign up to become foster families. Um, so, you know, the, if you're interested, you can sign up for an informational session, um, you know, and I don't know if you have show notes, but we, you know, can send some links over to you um, that can like show the list of licensing agencies mm-hmm. and where to start. Um, if you do not feel like you can foster yourself, but you still want to help, you can become a CASA, which gosh is short for court appointed something advocate <laughs> can look okay. it up. Um, but they advocate for a child's best interest in mm-hmm. the court. So yeah. some, so children, especially young children cannot advocate for what they want. And everybody else in the courtroom is advocating for, you know, the bio parents or, you know, the child to make sure his rights are being upheld, but the CASA advocates for the child's best interest. And that's a volunteer Mm -hmm. job and they need many, many more in Arizona. Um, So you can learn more about that. Um, And we also just launched something called Care Portal at our church and care portal is technology that connects churches with the needs of bio families who are like teetering on the edge of entering the foster care system. Um, the needs of foster families and also the needs of women experiencing crisis pregnancies and it puts those needs into this website and you as a church can sign up to help meet those needs. So that's like an amazing way um, to help a family stay together and just not even enter the system or, you know, help support a foster family or a a pregnant mother in their time of need. Yeah. Like we just helped out a, uh, 
like this uncle who had taken over his nephew and nobody else in the family wanted him. He's medically complex and he's been spending 12 hour shifts in the hospital uh, trying to learn how to take care of this, this baby. And he just didn't even have time to go out and buy any baby things for his house. So there was a need from DCS on the website saying anything baby related, just they need it. Clothes, um, it was like clothes, crib, car seat, stroller. And if you think about everything a baby needs, like teethers and diapers and wipes and blankets and bibs and like everything. And we were able to, as a church, go get that and bring it to him. And it, it meant the world to him. And Um, it kept the baby from entering foster care. Yeah. Because DCS is trying to make sure that they that the baby can legally go in there right so it was it was necessary they have all these steps to make it legally necessary and this website can help you as a church like fill in all those physical needs okay awesome that's amazing i was going to ask how do we help those kids that are stuck in dcs or inside like a conference room you know how do can is there a way we can help them or with dcs i mean they Become need. a foster parent and open yeah. up your home to them. Touche. Yeah. That's what they need. <laughs> yeah, for them, that really is that really is it. Like they send out, like you should, you should see these emails that these licensed workers get. They they get tons of emails a day. And they get them as soon as a kid enters enters the system. And it's just whether or not that that email can be met right? Like, can we find a placement for this kid? Is there anywhere? As soon as there's placement, they will be out of that conference room, out of the office and in a home. Okay. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you guys for your yes. I just feel like it takes really, really trusting and amazing people to actually to say yes to foster care. So thank you guys for what you're doing for the pro-life movement for all little kids. Well, thanks for having us on and thanks for um, being willing to help us spread this message. We really yeah. appreciate yeah, it. Thank you. Especially the, the care care portal. Yeah. I'm going to put everything on the, uh, in the show notes, like you said, but that's a game changer. I feel like, because that could, you know, I don't know. I mean, really help the movement. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Yeah. And it's just barely being tapped into mm-hmm. in Arizona. Yeah. And like normally care portal costs money to sign up for, but recently churches can all sign up for free. And also I think pregnancy centers, mm-hmm. if you're an emergency pregnancy center, crisis pregnancy, pregnancy center, resource center, pregnancy resource center. Thank you. Uh, you can sign up and you can actually start filling in needs. You can say, Oh, this mom who's going through this needs, needs, you know, a bed or a crib or whatever. And they can upload that need onto the site. And then the churches can also sign up and just fulfill that. Too. Mm-hmm. So well, it's a really good resource. It's just connecting people of just connecting people. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like the social media for, for needs. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Liz and Jesse Moore. I'm sorry for the abrupt ending. It's a little different interviewing two people at once. It's kind of exciting though. Before I sign off on here, I just wanted to give you the information on those organizations that I was talking about earlier. And the first is Boost a Foster Family. This is a great organization that provides safety items such as like fires, fire extinguishers. They help families get CPR certified. They take care of the, well, the the safety items that foster families are required to have before getting kids. I know that they're working on a bedding program as well. 
it's something that you don't really think about, but a bed having your own having your own bed, but also maybe even just special bedding. I know that, you know, when we got my toddler, her her first toddler bed, you know, you you give her, you know, what she wants, the frozen comforter, of course. But that made her more excited and made her feel like it was hers and her own special place. And that's the same for any kid that's uprooted from their family. A bed in their own special bedding can make them feel welcome and also that they have their own place in this new home. Another organization is Arizona Helping Hands and they also provide essential services to children in foster care. Last year alone, they distributed 1,365 beds. They helped uh, about 1,400 kids get back to school. They provide things like beds, cribs, linens, clothing, diapers, wipes, educational uh, activities, personal hygiene kits. I'm just reading off their website now, but this is also a great organization that's trying to help these kids. Both organizations take financial donations, and I know that Busta Foster Family actually has a Walmart registry so you if you don't want to maybe just give money you want to actually know what you are contributing you can do that you can also go check out the care portal that liz and jesse mentioned on arizona life coalition's website and i will put that link also in the show notes and that seems like a great thing that churches can do so that they're it's like almost like a network a little bit more hands-on Anyway, I hope that you enjoyed this conversation and I hope that you guys have a blessed couple weeks and I will see you guys later on in February. God bless. Thank you. Bye.